Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stagos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Be Customer Led. I have another wonderful and incredible guest for you all. Marcella Lay is Senior Vice President and Head of Client Strategy and PM Operations at a really interesting company called Y Media Labs. Now, not all our listeners, Marcella, are going to be familiar with Y Media Labs, but we'll give them an overview. Marcella, thanks for coming on the show. I'm so excited to, to have you here and talk about the topic we're going to cover today. Yeah. Hi, Bill. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me over. Really excited to finally connect with you. <laughs> I know. Me too. This is a long time coming. You are out there talking a lot about influencing and driving culture change. I love what you're putting out there. And I, I just... I had, as soon as I started reading the stuff that you were putting out there, I was like, I got to have Marcel on the show. So I'm so excited to get <laughs> going on the topic. But before we get to some of the questions that we've got for you, you know, I really would love for you to share your journey. Go back as far as you'd like and thinking about like, how did you get to where you are today, as well as being sort of a champion for culture change in, in a very big way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, for all the listeners, I'm from Colombia. So my journey really started back back then, right, in my country. My family didn't have much money. And because of their struggles as a kid, you build resilience and drive, just like many Mm -hmm. immigrants coming into this country, right? Um, So I put myself through college while working at the reception at a hotel in Bogota. And I left my beautiful country with $500 in my pocket, my bachelor's degree, and a big dream. And today, and as the first female to join the executive team of a technology company headquartered in Silicon Valley, I have been leading business and cultural change. Now, something worth mentioning about my journey is that while working at that hotel, I learned a really valuable lesson that has served me very well throughout my career. And it was about customer centricity, something you're very well aware of, right? Mm -hmm. But this has been a foundational pillar in my life. And this happened really in the early months of my training at the hotel. And just being a receptionist, they they really went hard on, on two things, right? Two key ideas for success. It was your appearance and your attitude. Mm-hmm. And in the appearance, yes, they talk about the makeup and the hair and the uniform well-pressed, but something about the appearance was a big smile, right? It's all mm-hmm. about the big smile. And they reinforce that all the time. And the attitude, and if I remember correctly, they said something to the fact of as soon as you enter the reception, even if you came from a funeral, it's no longer about you. It's all mm-hmm. about our guests. You must make them feel welcome. You must make them feel important and valued. And what I, I just never forgot that. And no matter what I do, every career, every job, working with clients, or working with customers of my clients, working with my team, I always keep that in mind, right? That mm. appearance, the big smile and the attitude. It doesn't matter what happened in my life. It doesn't matter what's going on. It's about them in that moment. And hospitality industry really knew the meaning of customer centricity before Mm -hmm. it was a buzzword. (laughs) So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's part of my journey. I love that story. So as the the son of immigrant parents, we didn't grow up with a lot of means. 
the resilience that that has built in me and that just constant mm-hmm. focus and drive. I know exactly where you're coming from. And I've never been to Colombia. We know people from Bogota and Medellin, but would love to go there sometime. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're, well, maybe not in the last two years, but I'm sure you you go back regularly to, uh, to visit family. Yeah, Marcella, can you talk to us a little bit about why Media Labs and how you're bringing together client strategy and PMO? I think that I haven't personally seen that a lot. And I just think it's a really interesting model. I, we had that in a in a company that I worked at previously, but I think that's a really interesting operating model and could give our listeners not only a better understanding of why Media Labs, but how you're approaching client strategy and bringing together that PMO <clears throat> function with it. Yeah, absolutely. So why YML is a technology agency focused on design, product, and technology, right? To mm. really make impact in, in the customer lives of, of our clients. So what I do at YML, and, and yes, I know that the title says client strategy and PMO, but maybe let me start with the fact that mm. regardless of what the title might suggest, every role I see at a company, I see it as an agent of change. And mm-hmm. this is probably how we've been able to transform our company successfully. What I think that everybody should embrace that agent of change mindset. When it comes to client strategy and project management, yeah, these are two very different, but actually very complementary disciplines. Both teams play a strategic role in the work mm-hmm. we do. At YML, we have product design and technology disciplines. Our client strategy are actually the strategies of each of the accounts, and they also act like the mini CEO of that particular portfolio. Mm. So not only do they need to focus on the insights at the intersection of the client business, their customers and their competition, so that we can help our clients think and act differently, right? That's the strategy role. Mm -hmm. But also client strategy as the mini CEO needs to ensure that one, our teams are delivering to our clients objectives and exceed their expectations. But two, that while we're doing that, we are taking care of our internal team. At the same time, our PMO, the operational focus discipline, right, Mm -hmm. will have to guide and empower our internal teams to do their best work in a collaborative, flexible, and organized manner, also delivering impact to our clients' business. So both disciplines, in my mind, provide leadership in in different areas, but with Mm -hmm. the same focus, lasting impact for our clients while ensuring high internal team satisfaction. Wow, that's really interesting. Even where I am today, there's a little bit of my team doing some of that. And I love how you're bringing sort of that, not support, that's not the right word. I think that you've nailed it in terms of both providing leadership in their own way. Some are just empowered in different ways to to be able to execute and deliver, but coming together to be able to execute on behalf of the client. You've come up the ranks at, at YML. What do you think were some of the differentiating factors for success? For you, but even if you can generalize for others who uh, want to grow within an organization and advice you have for them, maybe, what have you learned that you can share? Yeah, no, I I would say that differentiating factors for success in my, my progression has always been understanding, and probably the most critical one has been recently, or at least in the past decade, understanding the why I do what I do, then mm. making decisions with a business owner mindset and becoming an agent of change. So what do I mean by that? Understanding the why, well, I try moving up the ladder and not getting fulfilled 
or satisfy, right? You As soon as you reach the next level, then I was always ready to, what do I need to do next for the next one, right? And yeah, I was yeah. never looking back. My husband used to say, like, slow down, just celebrate, right? It's like, it's, yeah. I just need to focus on the next thing, right? But I was never really fulfilled. So in my case, once I dig deeper and I try to understand, in reality, why am I doing what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. In my case, it's about making a difference in lives, in careers of the people I have the privilege to lead, right? If I'm leading them and making change, I'm adding value. That to me is what really enriches my life. It's all about service leadership and people centricity. The people centricity, that could be the people at my company, that could be my clients. I see them not just the clients, but my partners, my friends. I want to help them with their career, get them promoted and Mm. being successful. They're customers, right? If we, while I don't connect directly with their customers, I do get to lead and influence the experiences that we build for their customers so -hmm. that their experience with that brand is seamless, right? So to me, it's all about the impact I can make and the people that are around me or that I can influence. The why is important, right? If we understand the why that give us also courage, right? Understanding that I'm doing it for people allow me also to be more courageous at work and make mm-hmm. or, or fight for, for what I believe is right. I also mentioned implementing that business owner mindset. And it's as simple as how would you work if this was your company, period, right? Regardless mm-hmm. of your role, regardless if you're an intern or not, right? That could be many things from identifying issues and finding solutions to problems instead of just bringing complaints to leadership to looking ahead in the market and seeing what else we should be doing to provide the right value to our clients or or anything in between. And the becoming an agent of change, well, on the workplace, is about paying attention to the tension, right? Mm-hmm. Call it harassment, gender, gender inequality, shaming, you name it, is leading change. But equally important as an agent of change is always looking for opportunities to improve a process, a discipline, mm-hmm. how the company conducts its business. So I think these three have been the different differentiating factors in, in my success. I love the identifying the tension part so much of a leadership role, to your point, is serving the people that are working mm-hmm. in the team to make sure that they are successful and have the resources to be successful every day. Really intentionally reaching in and removing tension and friction from the team is something that not a lot of leaders do. One, because sometimes you could just be moving so fast that, okay, we'll deal with that tomorrow, let's say. Other times, I think a lot of leaders, and especially new leaders that I speak with personally, may not have had that experience or know how to deal with it. How would you coach someone or how did you deal with the first time that you were leading a team and saw tension or friction that was maybe leading to your teams not being as successful as they could be? Were you just kind of go right at it? Is that sort of your attitude about it? Like, let's not dance around sort of the topic. Let's just address it directly. Or or do you have a different approach? Yeah, no, I do. I think you have to be straightforward in your career, period, mm-hmm. and in life, right? I don't, I think that when something is happening, especially when you already understand why you're doing it, right? Again, what I mentioned before, you become a little more courageous because it's not mm-hmm. about you. It's about doing the right thing for others, right? When you're mm-hmm. thinking just about your career and I'm going to succeed, right? And I want the next level, you're afraid to take the move because why if they don't approve of whatever I'm trying to fight for, right? But when you're doing it for your people, it doesn't matter, right? Like at that point, I'm not doing it. I don't care if you're not going to promote me. I don't care if you don't believe in this. I believe this is wrong. Things like we have issues with harassment and even broke culture mm-hmm. in my organization mm-hmm. and I tackle it head on, right? 
first, talking to the individual, making sure that we're making changes, then making some small changes and in my team. Many times, and probably my sandbox, there was a time where I was leading just the Atlanta office, and we were about 20, 25 people. So it was a small team, but I was able mm-hmm. to implement change at smaller scale and then prove the change and impact at a bigger scale, right? There were things, for instance, where mom shaming was the thing in our industry, right? So when I was hiring people, they were trying to go away from that, right? Moms that you have, mm-hmm. and it's not just mom, even dads that want to have it to leave at 5 p.m. to pick up their kids mm-hmm. at they, they care. But mm-hmm. somebody was saying, okay, do you care about your career? Why don't you hire a nanny? Somebody actually heard that from their bosses, right? Wow. And, and that's wow. terrible. So in, in my case, at least when I hired these, the, the team, I said social events will happen during business hours. We would not have past 5 p.m. social events so that they get to enjoy. We connect with our clients after 5.30. And after that, I want you to have work-life balance. I value that. And But next day, as soon as you come to the office, the first email is to the client, right? so that we are responding to their needs. So yeah, I think that it's not that you always have a plan. You don't know what's going to come. But when somebody is bringing an opportunity to you to make change, you just, you you cannot ignore it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like there is a book that tells you this is what you need to do. Look, one of the ways that we changed (laughs) the bro culture in in my office, it was the simplest thing ever. I have the opportunity to redesign the office. We were bringing new furniture and Mm -hmm. I give seat assignments. And in agencies, typically, what you do is either you see by discipline, technology with technology, designers mm-hmm. with designers, or you tell the team, hey, just pick your desk. But I actually put everybody, men, women, men, women, and across will be the opposite sex. So mm-hmm. when they came into the office, they said they nobody changed. It didn't say it was mandatory seating, right? I just simply put their names with balloons and welcoming <laughs> things for, for them. And they didn't change the desk. And after three weeks, a month or so, the inclusivity was there. And even the team members that complain about some of the bro culture said it's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. And nobody changed this. And they loved it, right? Like they really enjoy connecting with the other with the other gender but it, it wasn't imposed but it was just a simple change so i think that sometimes it's just we're, we're not mindful of these little things mm-hmm. and a small very small change could have a really lasting impact i really love that idea marcella it's so intentional so thoughtful really with a goal of driving um that inclusivity so like but so simple as well it didn't cost the company anything mm-hmm. didn't cost right. people anything Really smart move. I want to talk about a little bit about inclusive change because you're out there in the public domain a lot talking about driving change in an organization and from an inclusive perspective. You talk a lot about gender equality. One of the biggest challenges I hear from leaders is how to best influence their executive team, whether that's from a gender, race, or other perspective, but also you know just in, in a broad way. Like, What advice do you have around how to best influence across the C-suite. Yeah, well, I, particularly at YML, I probably need to start with the fact that our executive team is not the typical corporate American mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very, very diverse from the core, right? Our two founders and the head of India are originally from India. Mm-hmm. Two of our executives are from Britain. Our only American representative is a woman, and I'm Latina, right? So we are very diverse. and. Yes, I was the first female to join the executive team, but I Mm -hmm. also know 
it was not due to biases, but more of a mm. lack of focus. So our diversity, I think, has also allowed me to influence as much change as I have, right? If I were to give advice on how to really influence the executive team, and when I think about it, well, there's attention, education, and results kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. The attention is just bringing that attention to the areas that were not in their executive radar, right? Like the fact that I mentioned is not, I was the first one, not because of bias. It's true. When I talk to them, they have nothing against women. It's just they were very focused on the growth of the company, but also they lack education on why more women were not at the table or even at the company, right? And I needed to prove results. So for instance, the fact that the tech industry is male-oriented is not a lack of female representation in the industry, but lack of representation at the interviews. So why is this? Because many, many hiring team members, the recruiters, look into the resumes that they have for people who submit it. But women don't apply to jobs unless they believe they match 100% of the Mm -hmm. criteria. Mm -hmm. In comparison, Men apply even if they only match about 60% of the criteria and they feel it was going to be a slam dunk, right? So the mentality is very different. So if we know that women don't apply, then what we needed to do, and that's exactly what I, what I did when I was in a leading Josie Atlanta office at the time, I start reaching out to people on LinkedIn. I start having coffee with more women and I was inviting them to the interview. Now that was the invitation and we got to 63% women in Atlanta, but it wasn't a matter wow. of, I just want to have women. It was more about, I want more women in represented in the interview, but we only hire the best candidate, period, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about mm-hmm. fairness. And today, and I was able to show those results, and not only the women were having really strong results at work, but just how we approach it and how we could be really change that stat, right? We are now today 47% women in the U.S. in my company. So it's, it's about showing, it's, it's highlighting that attention, showing how we can make the change, prove the results and, and make a change. And lastly, I would say that make sure that you can connect with your executives speaking to their language, their motivations mm-hmm. and driving factors. I think everybody at the table is going to have a different driving factor depending on, on how not only their, their language, but what they're driving, right? And if your message matches their style, you will be able to influence. So I know that some people on my team hate to lose, right? More than hate to, I mean, more than loving to win. So I need to figure out how I make them win every time with whatever approach I'm going to bring to them. Mm. I have some team members that are way more analytical and the data is going to be important for them. So it's less about making them just feel like the winners, but it's more about this is the data. This is why we have to do it. And the facts are going to be important. So just learn the language for for your executive team and you will be able to influence. Hmm. I love that advice. Just know your audience, right? And Mm -hmm. tailor your style and approach to that. Marcel, let's talk a little bit about allies in the workplace. I think that topic over the last four or five years has really become more important. If you go back five to 10 years ago, having sort of mentors and coaches, and then people start talking about, we really need sponsors and an organization for people. And I really like the the concept of being an ally because it kind of, for me at least, it brings all of those elements to, together. You're able mm-hmm. to sponsor, mentor, coach, and really help elevate individuals who may not have been seen for an opportunity in the past. What advice do you have for allies, maybe folks who want to be more of an advocate or play more of an ally role in the companies that they work for? 
how do you think they should maybe you know, a couple of, couple of things that they can do to lean in more and drive the kind of change that they want to be part of? Bill, during COVID, I became aware and mindful of something I wasn't before. And it is the fact that gender equality actually starts at home. Many of my female team members struggle, really struggle the first year of COVID because they're also working husbands, prioritize mm. their job over their spouses. So the wives were the ones homeschooling, taking care of the sick kids, making the meals and so forth. So if you want to be an ally, start at home. That that will mm. be something that before COVID, uh, I never thought I would say, right? So that's number one. But two, probably at work, just value women and non-binary people for their, their accomplishments, accomplishments mm. right? Don't compliment their outfit, compliment their work. Invite them to lead presentations, actively listen to them. If you see people in the room who speak over these women and non-binary people, then redirect the conversation to the women mm -hmm. who have been interrupted so that they can finish their thoughts. And give credit to the person with the idea when sharing it with others. I think this is something that sometimes doesn't happen, right? A great woman has a great idea and somebody else starts sharing the idea without giving credit. And maybe mm -hmm. the person who gave the, who is sharing now the idea is getting that credit. So just make sure that you give credit what credit is due. Uh, very simple, but very powerful tools towards allyship. I've never thought, so I mean, during the pandemic, obviously my wife and I, we shared responsibilities for sure, she took on more responsibility with the kids. We are also very privileged and fortunate to have someone that helps us every day, which obviously they took a lot on as a result uh, of the pandemic. But that's wonderful advice, Marcella, to kind of look at the at your at your home life and how you are equal there. I think, that, I mean, now my head is now spinning, like, where am I not equal today or even this week? And will change absolutely my, my own thinking. I, my wife and I share a lot. But you're right, it does start at home. And that's a great proving ground for allyship to be able to start to change your behavior as well as start to drive and change the organization that you're part of. That's really inspiring advice. Oh my gosh. What what inspires you, Marcelo? I know you, you mentioned a little bit sort of the top and just being like a servant leader, but like what fills your cup every day and in, in your life? Yeah, I love, love reading about great leaders. I love leaders who have high integrity, leaders who care about people, leaders who are authentic and human-like, right? Who who actually appreciate their mistakes and share them, right? Mm. And who have accomplished great results. So I love reading books from big companies who have been successful. People like, I love reading Bob Iger, The Right of a Lifetime, who was the former CEO of Disney. Mm -hmm. I love one of, uh, back in the day, one of my first books too was The Delivering Happiness, The Sappo mm -hmm. Story mm -hmm. by Tony mm -hmm. Say, who is no mm -hmm. longer with us. But I love yeah. the struggles and the customer focus, right? I love people like Toto Wolf, who is the team principal and CEO of the Mercedes Formula One racing team, yeah. uh, who I'm very passionate about. But I love these, these people who show integrity, right? Right? Like in, in this sport, for instance, uh, you can lose it in front of the eyes of the public. But this particular person, Toto Wolf, is somebody with integrity and who leads that the, their standards and values and cares about the people, but the results, right? And I can actually wait to read a book from like Julie Sweet, who is the Accenture's uh, CEO, 
I haven't been able to get my hands on the book of a woman CEO who has transformed a company. But that's really what inspired me, uh, reading books of these incredible people. Right now, I just got the Play Nice, Bad Win by uh, Michael Dell. So I can wait to for my holiday break to finish my book in the mountains, <laughs> uh, reading a company by a small glass of my ice wine and sitting by the fire. That's my happy place. <laughs> that sounds really nice. Is there, uh, I have to ask you now, if there was one leader that you can sit down and have lunch with, who would that be? What, what would you ask that person? Honestly, it will be our previous president, Obama. I admire a lot about him. His integrity. Mm -hmm. I mean, he struggled. A lot of people didn't support him, didn't believe in him being the first black president. He has an incredible family and values. What I love about him, being the president, is there anybody more busy in the world than Mm -hmm. the president of the United States in Till at 6 p.m., he will have dinner with his family. I love mm. that, right? Because many times we think that because work is so important, family goes second place. And I love that, right? They were trying to do always the right thing, whatever, uh, depending on whatever side you might be with him. I just love the integrity. So if I could mm. talk about the challenges and he made it succeed and even the things that he accomplished with his wife, it's, it's a leader that I deeply, deeply admire. Great answer someone that I admire greatly as well and a model for leadership for many, including myself. I've read his books. I mean, just so many takeaways <laughs> and how to become a better person, not just a better leader as well. Marcel, this has been a great conversation. I truly appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some of your insights and great examples and stories. Particularly love just if you want to be an ally, start at home. Such just (laughs) simple, great advice. I'm looking forward to continuing to see you out there in the the public stage and championing the message for women, but also for others and equality generally. So thanks so much for coming on the show. No, thank you, Bill. Happy holidays. Thank you for everybody for listening. Happy to be here today. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Wonderful show. A lot of great takeaways uh, for you all this week. We'll talk to you soon. We're out. Thanks for listening to Be Customer Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out. We're out.